Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, Girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. Well, we are talking about a road unknown. Have you ever had that time in your life where you're begging God for, for clarity and you, you have these paths that are in front of you and you keep thinking, I don't know if I'm supposed to go this direction. I don't know if I'm supposed to go this direction. And You're um, kind of at a fork in the road. Yeah, isn't that a saying? Yeah, you're at the fork <laughs> in the road. Yes, going, do I want to go that way or that way? But sometimes it's more than just a fork in the road. It's like all these different, you know, you, you're, you're sitting there and you hear someone talking about maybe this ministry and you go, oh, I'm so passionate that about cause. that. Yes, it's like this cause, or I feel like am I called over here? And then you might be sitting with someone else that is talking about their calling is so clear. And then there's that little bit that you go, well, why isn't my calling so clear? But if someone were to look at you, they would say, you have a clear calling. So it, are you kind of like a cause chameleon? Is that what you're saying? That's really a good word for you it. like that? A cause chameleon. Yeah. Did you just make that up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I just, I blend in with, with whatever cause it's there. And I get really excited about it. And, and then... I know you and I have laughed because you're praying for clarity. And at one point you said, sometimes you just have to pray for trust. Like we want that handwriting on the wall. Or that lightning bolt to come down and say, here is your destiny. Yes. And then we get frustrated when it, when it's not happening and God's not like answering our prayers on, on our timing. When you realize, and it's taken me, I won't say how long it's taken me to realize that, but many, many, many years that that's all a part of the journey. As much as you hear, oh, it's the journey, not the destination, it really is all apart because looking for the handwriting on the wall is the unfolding God's mysteries and being able to have that relationship. And that, that's what pours you and just makes you crave him mm-hmm. is when you're in that time of, of begging him to, to answer um, those prayers. So that's what we're going to be talking about I was going to say, where are we going this day? We're going down a road unknown. <laughs> So basically, we're trailblazers. Well, I don't know if we, if you would. We've always considered us to be trailblazers, but yeah, just talking about you know, I know for us when when God collided our worlds back fourteen years ago, um, one of the things that that we found was just how important relationships were, and I know later on in the show and community and community, and we're going to be talking with um, a gal, Barbara, who. She has been writing books and series that are, have been um, bestsellers and very, very well known in the, in the Christian community and Christian authors. But um, Barbara writes on the Amish um, faith, and we can learn so much from that. And, and going back to when we first, we always say God collided our worlds, we realized just how significant relationships were. And we looked at our own moms um, who were gone at this point, and that's why... 
God put us together, we, mm-hmm. we felt is they had a legacy of friendships. And we thought, you know what, we want to continue that legacy on. And I know um, when you and I uh, first met and we had our, our couple first dates, what was interesting after those dates is you came over to my house and we were putting down goals. And the first thing that we did, we got down on our knees and we just prayed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is so significant. If we could give one tip for our listeners to be able to walk away is as friendships, we don't realize the significance of prayer together. And it's a very bonding experience uh, and, and a part of relationships and a key part of relationships. And there's so many elements to relationships, like the prayer, the laughter, the dreaming together, the setting goals together, just sharing life and doing life together and all those different things as you go down a path. And sometimes you don't know where the path, like you said, you can't see the end mm-hmm. result, but you're just like, I know that we're on this together. I know we're going somewhere. And, and a lot of times God just reveals a little bit at a time. And before you know it, you're like, wow, how did we get here? Yes. This is amazing. Yes. Well, it's funny because just now when you were saying that, I, I was like, you had a smile on your face. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, something's <laughs> happening here. Well, because I was thinking, we just went, I was thinking. Uh-huh. And that was, we can take one word and literally just run it into the ground. And the thinking was the word that we ran into the ground. just On Monday night. On Monday night, we were doing outreach into the strip clubs. And uh, one of our teammates Stacy started talking about she was thinking and uh, she was also talking about Christina being such a smart thinker and then we managed to take that word because I said I always say I was sitting there thinking in my mind and my husband will say versus your buhaini and so um, many times we either were I'm not allowed to say but because growing up I was never allowed to use that word but they're either butt thoughts or they're brain thoughts <laughs> And Stacy put that in writing, so I think we can. We'll 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 blame her that she used the the butt word. The but butt word. Yeah. So let's start thinking stuff. So now we kind of coined that and kind of have that secret code. Is that a brain thought or is that a a butt thought or buhaini thought? Because many times um, it's not a brain thought with with you and I. So uh, we we managed to definitely rub that into the ground. So when you were talking just now about you thinking, <laughs> I was wondering if it was a brain thought or a butt thought. So back to relationships. Just like you said, relationships, there's so many elements, but that prayer and that laughter is just so significant. But I, I want to go back to how when we first started, we got down on our knees and we just started praying that God would do use us to do great, big, God-sized things. And what's, what's interesting about that is that if, as we have found on our journey, people don't pray together, mm-hmm. like marriages. Um, I know I just... Uh, read in a blog where a guy, he was a pastor, and he was saying after 20 years of marriage, he and his wife um, were separating. And he said the number one thing that he realized was that they didn't pray together. They prayed for other people. They were continuously in prayer meetings. They were always in that praying, but they had not prayed together. And I read that, and that just seems so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. But we hear that a lot, Mm -hmm. where women go, I don't pray with my husbands and husbands, husbands, <laughs> plural. <laughs> guess, I guess that's not with Amish. What, what culture are you coming guess? <laughs> I meant plural women, not praying. Okay. With okay. Authors. We need to clarify that. <laughs> that was, that was not a brain thought. That was not a brain thought at all. So um, just starting out with that, 
But I, I, I laugh now because um, just so many memories that we have in our relationships. And we find that women really crave those friendships. So what can we do with just giving tips to our listeners about those friendships? And what can we learn from the Amish culture? Um, in I had just read that uh, the suicide rate in the Amish culture um, is so low, which just, it, it's so interesting because of that, I think that simplicity um, of their life. And the, it was like 50% um, less or lower than other religious people, but the suicide rates, um, one third the rate of non-religious people and 50% lower than other religious people, which speaks volumes. Because You've been I, doing your research, haven't you? <laughs> you know, I Kate love Kinsley. my research. Well, and I got to, talking about this relationships and the value of it is, you know, in other cultures, other, you know, even, um, you know, last week I was with some people from the Middle East and just some other cultures besides outside of, of, the, of America, they really do value relationships. Mm -hmm. And somebody was telling me a story and I thought this was very interesting. They're talking about when there were, uh, I, I want to say it was either Camp David or it was a recent um, kind of a peace treaty kind of coming together of two two presidents or two ministers coming together in the negotiation. They made a, a deal and a pack. And they said what was interesting is when they come together, they will spend hours just sitting around a table having coffee or sitting on the floor. It's over like a, a meal or mm -hmm. coffee. That's when the negotiations happen mm -hmm. and they'll spend hours and they, you have to do that before you can even get to the negotiation process. And so they said what was very interesting is when the, the press reported it, the, the American press showed these two world leaders shaking hands. The press in their country showed them sitting around a table. Breaking bread. Breaking mm -hmm. bread. Mm -hmm. And so it's just the value of relationships. And when you go and you've traveled quite extensively overseas, you do see they, they will first ask you, come and have a meal with me. Come sit and let me serve you tea or coffee because they do value the significance mm -hmm. of relationships. We just come in and we go, let's get to the point. Well, what, I, I, what is this about? I want, you know, I have an agenda. I'm on mm -hmm. a limited time. Let, let's make this happen and make it happen quickly. I'm embarrassed, actually, with some of the times that I've done um, work overseas where I understood the culture. I know at one point, um, the first time, I was actually training and teaching the, the cultural differences. And I was in Indonesia and just with the, the Muslim culture, knowing that about them. And yet they would come to pick me up at the hotel and they would just sit there in the lobby and order tea. And I would be pulling my hair out thinking, A, you were late coming to get me in the first place. And now you're sitting down in the lobby and ordering tea. Like we have got to go. We've got to get. And even knowing that about their culture, I just thought, well, it's as you're doing life together, it'll be more lackadaisical. I didn't think that that was all a part of it. When they say they're going to pick you up, that meant somewhere in the range of 30 minutes to an hour. When but they say hour, meet me at seven o'clock, they mean eight-ish. <laughs> Nine-ish. And then, and then you're still going to have time for tea. Yeah. Or for that experience. So I've like learned like for dinner time, eat before you go because it still <laughs> may be like four hours till you get the actual meal. Yeah. So you just kind of learn that culture. But it is about relationships, about coming around and having that face-to-face -face time before you start talking business. Yes. We go to the business mode right away. And we don't value the relationships. And that's why we're talking about today as we bring, you know, author Barbara Cameron on later, talking about the Amish culture and the differences. A lot of times you can go, okay, that's such a different culture. So, so weird, foreign. so bizarre, yeah. But we really are chameleons. 
when we, we look at things. But how, what can we learn? We can learn something from everybody's culture to just enrich our lives and to go, you know what? I maybe need to think more like that and, and, I, and, and not be your so tunnel thinking. Just like, like I said, you know, when I was over there, my expectations were so high on we got to get going. Even though you know this is a cultural difference, um, we do that even here. I know even in our season of our relationships, the times when I have, um, where we've had to deal with conflict has been because expectations were set in a specific way. That being in a marriage, being in a friendship, but it's usually like if I see... Well, I'm going to have you hold that thought. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one's spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show today. And we are talking about a road unknown. And apparently, I was not thinking with my brain because I was just rambling on and missed all the countdown and the cues before we were going into a commercial break. But and I want to blame you for that because <laughs> you weren't paying attention. I was, I was so into talking about our seasons and our relationships. And that's what we want to um, be able to unpack today is to have our listeners just have a few tips on um, how we can uh, really grow our relationships and even some of the 
the myths that we have with relationships. And we because some, it will be a road unknown when entering the relationships and, and dealing with conflict and dealing with things. They're going to have to step out of some familiar to really to really take the relationships and community to a, to a new level. Yes, and we were talking about expectations. Many times uh, the, the miscommunication is just having those high expectations and we have to... Um, or could they be unrealistic? Unrealistic expectations. So we have to have a spirit of acceptance. Um, so many times uh, we want to... Um, Oh, control. I can't think of the, the, the word, but control. Wasn't wait that for hard. it. Wait for it. <laughs> it really wasn't that hard of a word either. Um, but to uh, we want to control the things that are taking place. And, and I know I've had a situation where um, I was in a relationship with a friend. Is this a confession coming about? Is this a confession? And um, this person did not use, like to use technology. So she would never answer emails. It was like, oh, I don't need a cell phone. Oh, I don't need... But it, it was frustrating because if, you know, hey, you want to go grab lunch or you want to, she would just never return your phone call. So you couldn't help but look at that and go, well, this is really too hard. This is too complicated for me to, you know, and someone could go, or maybe she just didn't want to answer your phone calls. But then when we would talk about it, she was like, well, why, are, why are, do you never ask me a lunch or why are you, are you doing this? But, you, you know, you never do that with me. And it's like, Hello, because I try to, and I, I can't. I don't know how to communicate. I, it's closed, mm -hmm. um, and and she really didn't get that. And mm -hmm. I feel like there was hurt there, just with the expectations that that weren't met, and maybe me trying to control it at certain times, but then her feeling sad when it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, many times, just having those expectations. Our conversations are clarity to go, this is how I communicate. How do you want me to communicate or how will you hear me mm -hmm. when I do communicate? And and those are conversations that a lot of times they seem foreign or like, what? what? But they, they really do help you get the outcome you want in a relationship and eliminate a lot of confusion and a lot of hurt, potential hurt feelings mm -hmm. in that too. Well, and that would be one of the, the myths of a relationship is that just keeping in mind that um, – for example, a great relationship does not require a great meeting of the minds, speaking of our thinking with our minds versus thinking yes. with our butt. But you and your, it, whatever, it could be in a, your marriage or just in a, a friendship. Um, you're entirely different people. And I know we've been able to recognize that. And because of that, it has enriched our lives. It, it took us a while because people mm -hmm. would go, what, what are your differences? And we're mm -hmm. like, I don't know. We're kind of same, same. Mm -hmm. And then we started realizing through the years that we have huge differences as most people do because mm -hmm. that's, and we always say you complete me mm -hmm. um, because and celebrate of the differences and you have them work for you and not work against you. And that goes back to communication and, and to valuing community and valuing the relationship and willing to work at it and to do that. And like, we're going to say, we're going to be talking in just a few moments um, with author Barbara Cameron about the Amish culture. We have much to learn from them and the, the value they place on relationships and the simplicity of life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, talking about that, we, we had traveled back. We, we were on a show or something back in the Midwest, Indiana. Indiana. Mm -hmm. And you had a friend that lived in Shishuana. Yes. And that was my first experience about being, being really on the Amish. Land. So I was so intrigued. And I, 
I didn't really understand the why, you know, okay, so why do they dress like that? Why do they do that? And I remember your friend, Joel, just really explaining, well, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Okay, why don't they use motorized vehicles? And I had much learned because they don't allow you to take you know, pictures, which makes you really want to take a picture. And I well, remember- it's so fascinating. You want to take a picture too. Yes. And they're just, you know, certain things, uh, cultural traditions, cultural expectations there that from an outsider coming in, you go, I don't understand why or what that means, but it works. And, it, and it's really significant to them. And, and I, I just remember one of my, the funniest moments that I had, <laughs> and I remember riding in the back seat, and here was this horse and buggy with a man and a little boy going down the road, horse and buggy, pulling a trailer that had a motorized boat on it. <laughs> and I, I was looking at that, and of course I had to take a picture, but we were from behind, <laughs> they didn't know. Because that was that so didn't mesh. That didn't, you know, you you a horse and buggy pulling a boat trailer with the boat on it, with the motor on it. And so it's just those things, but it, it just Sometimes you have to have fun with the differences, yes, right? Yes. And and just learn to laugh and, and just embrace them. But there's something to be said for their, their value and relationships yes. and, and their culture. Well, wait, I have to back up because that was so funny. Because you you when you saw this, you were like, okay, wait a minute, Joel, you have to explain this to me. How in the world are they riding in a horse and buggy, but yet they have a motorized boat? And he finally turned and looked at you and said, you need to stop. Well, he said, you need it to stop understanding. Sense. You need to stop understanding. You are trying to understand. It will not make sense. And, and that goes back to the expectations. It's like, okay, wait, these are the rules. If these are the guidelines, then this is what we have to follow. Yeah. And it's like, no, every single guideline has an exception in, in life. And, and, and once you try to fit everything in a box, it's just not going to work that way. So that was such a, a teachable moment. And then you, you finally stopped because you realized, okay, it's not all going to fit into this box. But what I do remember about that day, I, I, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but it was laundry day. I remember yes. everybody had their laundry out on the line and Joel did tell me this is laundry day. So apparently they have one day that everybody does their laundry and because they don't use electric dryers. Which is kind of cool when you think about it. And we're all out there. It's doing like laundry. You, you would wave at your neighbor, you know, because she's out there too and the kids are running in between the So really the you're kind of doing your laundry with your friends, with your neighbors. Yes. So you're doing your chores together, which makes it much more fun, which we know. It's like we would rather, like, come help me clean my closet. I'll help you clean your closet. And it's one of those things. It's much more fun to do those things that you, you know, that you don't really and like doing with a friend. another tip. When you can do life together, like, hey, let's both go to Costco. Like, if we'll go shopping, hey, yeah. what do we need to get? And we go both go and get your your errands done together. You know, make time because life is busy. You so do life together, and that way it's productive, and you're getting your friendship in. And so always be looking for ways where you can maximize, you know, the time. And I know you're you're much more goal result oriented. I want to know this was a day worth living for. And I kind of enjoy the journey. And I can take a scenic road, which can drive my husband crazy. And apparently, I do drive you crazy, no, too, with that. I love so, that, though. I love but, your but, but we can, But you do that. And I do like results, too. But I, I will also be a little open to a scenic <laughs> you know, you know, detour in, in life. But it, it is learning to understand and, and start valuing relationships and maybe slowing down a little bit mm -hmm. in life and go, what really matters? You know, spending time with your family, 
with, with your friends, people that matter, establishing community, embracing community and what it can really look like instead of living these isolated lives um, that, that we have created in our, in our culture. And as you understand, it's, it's a lot of our American culture that mm -hmm. has created that uh, and not necessarily shared with the rest of the world, but looking forward to learning a little bit more about the Amish and what we can take away from them and how we can enrich our lives and value those relationships. Mm -hmm. Well, and once again, um, just to, to walk away going, okay, appreciate each other, appreciate those relationships, um, pray, pray together. I know right now we've been um, reading the book, uh, The Circle Maker, and inviting God into every aspect of your life. And it's exciting. I mean, there are so many times, and, and I, I won't do this story justice because you just, it was one of those that you had to be there. But when you do invite God into your relationship, it's just so funny. I mean, we can just so many stories where we watch God answering prayers. But one time we were going to be on a, a local ABC affiliated show and there was something going on with that particular show that another guest was also going to be on. And it didn't really follow in our faith philosophy. And we thought, oh, no, how are we going to be on this segment with this person? And it's going to look like we also promote this particular philosophy. And we started praying on our way to the studio, just going, okay, God, we need you here. We don't have the words. We... We definitely don't know how this is the outcome of this. We don't know why we've been put in this situation. And we were just, we gave a bold prayer and we said, can you somehow make this person go away? I mean, we were in that desperation and I'll never forget that. We got to the, to the studio and all of a sudden the, the producer came in and was, she was panicked because she said, this person has a toothache and it she, won't be here today. It won't be here today. And we could barely put ourselves together. We were giddy. I mean, we looked at each other almost just laughing, going, oh, my word, we just prayed for this woman to have a toothache and had to, like, rush to the dentist or something. But we had a fabulous segment. But I will never forget that. And, and since then, we always go, so-and-so has a toothache. When we yeah. want God to just show up. And you never know how he's going to answer those prayers. But when you see him in just... That one, to us, was just so funny. Mm -hmm. Because it really did blow us away. We, we, you, you go, okay, maybe it was just coincidence. You start thinking that way. It's like, no, God showed up in a huge way and she had a toothache. Well, and you're talking about, we are talking today about the road unknown. And many times for us, it is a road unknown, but for God, it's not. He's already paving the path. He's already down ahead of us in the path. And we just need to step into that unknown, which is faith and which can be scary, but God is already there waiting for us just saying, come along. I have an incredible journey. So Here's a question we can ask ourselves. What are you missing because you're, you're mm. afraid to step into the unknown, mm -hmm. that you're, you're stuck and you're planted in the comfort and in the secure and the risk-free zones and that road. You're just standing in that road mm -hmm. and you're, you're unwilling to step into the unknown where something amazing could be waiting for you. And we have seen that in our lives when those moments when we've mm -hmm. stepped and said, I'm going to try this path. I'm going to go down this path. I don't know where it's going to lead exactly. I don't know what the outcome will be, but I know God is there. I sense his leading, and I know that you're with me, and I know together we can go down this road, this unknown road, and amazing things will happen, and we have seen amazing things happen. So that is our challenge as we continue um, today on our show is think about those roads, where you're stuck, and where you need to step on the unknown. For those we're going to take a break, and we're going to be right back. 
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, Barbara Cameron has a heart for writing about the spiritual values and simple joys of the Amish. She is the author of more than 38 fiction and nonfiction books, three nationally televised movies, and the winner of the first Romance Writers of American Golden Heart Award. Barbara is a former newspaper reporter and currently resides in Florida. We just want to welcome you, Barbara. How are you today? Very good. How are you? 
We are doing awesome. And we just, um, we've been chit-chatting away about the Amish culture and just how significant, um, just with the relationships, it's so important to them. And the simplicity of life and the value of that and getting back to that values where we're not living so rushed and letting the busyness of life control us, but really truly taking time for what really matters, which is relationships. And so if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and your passion for writing these fabulous, uh, just this fiction series on the Amish culture, tell us a little bit about your path going down, speaking of A Road Unknown, which is your latest book. So what what path did you go to um, lead you in this direction? Well, I started writing Amish fiction after I visited the area, um, Paradise, Pennsylvania, probably about 10 years ago with my cousin who lives nearby, and I've visited quite a number of times since then. I just really um, felt something different in being around the Amish and talking to them and exploring their lifestyle. Um, I think we've gotten away from valuing our relationships with other people and our relationships with ourselves. We don't take the time to slow down and really listen to what we should be doing these days. Oh, that is so, you know, there's something about when I I was in Pennsylvania and then in Ohio and Indiana, just traveling through there. And I'll never forget, I was, uh, my my friend owned a bed and breakfast and I was uh, waking up in the morning because I had come in really late at night. So I didn't get a chance to see the surroundings, but, and listening to the horses, just their hoofs clogging down the street and looking out the window and all you could see was just the horse and buggy. I mean, you really do feel that you're going back into time of just a simplistic life. And it, it makes you just breathe. It definitely feels almost like a time machine, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the last time I went up there last year, we came up upon a whole line of, of buggies and I just pulled the car over and just enjoyed it. When I was a little girl, my um, uncle had a farm in Knox, Indiana. And I, I think I can trace my fascination with the Amish and their way of life all the way back to being a little girl because they had a um, an Amish community not very far from there. So I saw them whenever I visited them. And so they were surprised when my uncle and aunt were surprised when I started writing these stories because I had, had seen them so much when I was a little girl and I remembered that it's far back. Well, it is interesting because a couple years ago, my husband and I were in Pennsylvania also driving, and he had never been in the Amish country. And we were driving along looking for the horse and buggies, and I think it was on a Sunday afternoon. And we were driving down the back roads trying to find, you know, where they were. And literally, we drove up uh, on two different occasions, like a farm area or whatever, and there literally were probably 25 horse and buggies. And they were parked meticulously in a row mm, in like a they, line. Like they all have a parking space. They, like they do. Yeah. It was like a total parking space with these horse and buggies. And it was fascinating to go, okay, they really do gather. They value the community. They were all coming together. Because how often do we see in a Sunday afternoon just, mm-hmm. you know, a, a grouping of cars mm-hmm. where people are just getting together on a Sunday afternoon. And the kids were out playing. And there was like a picnic right. you could tell. And we just, we did like you did. We just sat and took it in and went. Okay, this is amazing, the community they, they, they do experience. Well, Barbara, when you, um, you, you were intrigued, obviously, because I think it is very intriguing because it is so different and so foreign, but it does take us back in time. What was it that really truly drew your heart? And what, had, 
what have you discovered along the way that you that really makes you smile about this and just keeps you writing? Because this is your third book, I believe, in this series. Yeah, that's the first book in a new series. It's my third series for Abington Press. Um, the first one was Quilts of Lancaster County, and then the second one was Stitches in Time. And then the third one is Amish Roads. And it's all about um, three different um, heroes and heroines who are all going through uh, the rumspring part of their lives, where they get a chance to, you know, experience English life and see if they want to stay Amish or if they want to become English. Okay, I need, so, to, I need to interrupt you here because I first learned that word rumspring, and I don't even know how to say it. Can you explain to those that are listening the significance of that word and what it means in their culture? Sure. It, it, it technically means running around time. It gives them a chance. It gives these, it usually a late teenager to the early 20s, it gives them a chance to not be so um, structured in, in the Amish um, community. They get a chance, if they want to, to go into town and see a movie or have English friends or do different activities that aren't necessarily Amish because those are usually um, very church-based and so forth, where they might have stayed after church to play volleyball or they have uh, supper together and, and singings and things like that. This is a chance to just, you know, totally explore the English community so that there are times even where the Amish youth will, will dress in English clothes. Well, I say English, I'm meaning non-Amish. They've always called us the English. Mm. And so they, they literally will take off their Amish clothes and put on English clothes so that they can really experience life. Now, the thing is, is that because the Amish community is so close and values all of these interconnected family and, and friend circles, um, and, and the faith is so important to them, literally 90% of the Amish youth will become Amish. They don't become English. Only about 10% do. So something is still holding those youth and, and by the way, I have English, excuse me, Amish friends who get very upset at the way that we act sometimes, like their their kids are running around like maniacs and they're into drugs and, and drinking too much and so forth. That's a very small part of the Amish teens that do something like that. Mm-hmm. And be like she said, you think we don't know where our children are after all these years of, of you know, watching over them? And she's right. So usually... The, the teens don't turn wild like you see in the media or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, everything kind of does get exaggerated in the media and tends to lump, you know, a couple people, they try to give the perception that everybody's doing that, mm-hmm. which is, which just goes, it goes back to once again on relationships. Like you said, the percentage of them will come back into the Amish culture just because they don't want to go through the shunning or to be completely excommunicated. They want those relationships and they love that. And remember, that, and remember that the Amish live in the same community. You know, usually I'm not saying 99% of the time they live in the same community all their lives. So they're very interconnected. They're not like we are where we move around a lot. We have family that go to, you know, other States, you know, 10 States away or something. So when they're so interconnected, you have friendships and family relationships that are so close. You don't want to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of the, the values that you have appreciated, that you have learned? And, and in your conversation, one of the things that you have taken away from their culture that you, that you just makes you smile. 
Well, family's always been really important to me because um, when I was growing up, my parents divorced and things, you know, became a little distant. And so I love the fact that the Amish are so determined to stay together. You know, even as something as small as the way that they travel, the buggy, we look at that as being almost silly, like, you know, they've gone back in time and why did they do something like this? There's something very symbolic about the buggy. You can't take that buggy and go 500 miles away. Mm -hmm. You can't just suddenly get in a car and speed away from your problems. The buggy lifestyle is such that you really only travel small distances and you have to go by how much your horse can stand and so forth. So that keeps people closer Hmm. and they have to get along with each other. Do you find, I was going to ask you about that because you talked about being so enmeshed with each other in community and, you know, you hear of people here that live in small towns and you're like, okay, it's, it's so hard because everybody knows everybody's business and, and they will talk about it as a very negative aspect of the small town. Do you see that negative factor because they do know so much about each other and they're in each other's lives or do you see them really focusing on the positive where they really will maybe work through a conflict where... A lot of times people just do not work. They discard the relationship. Yeah, I think that the reason why their small communities work, whereas maybe, you know, in mine, I live in a very small community. I think we only have a couple of thousand people in this town. And it can be that everybody knows everybody's business. But the Amish do something that's very important. They go, they do not go to a formal um, church building. They go to each other's homes for church. So every other week, you have to go into one of the other church members' homes. And I think that this keeps everything very real because mm. when you know you're going into somebody's home, that intimate setting, <laughs> yeah. I think that you tend to get along a lot better than here. You know, we can snipe about each other and talk about somebody behind their back. And we're going to, what, maybe 20 different churches in the area? So I think that makes a big difference. I'm not saying that the Amish are perfect and that they don't have snipey moments because I'm sure that there's times when they don't get along, but they they all kind of have to work together to do that because they live so intimately. It's a true family. I think it's interesting. I I know when I was, uh, my my friend is actually Mennonite, but broke away from from the Amish culture, that their, their barn raising time, when they, they're building each other's homes, that they literally mm-hmm. build this house for enough people to come to church. So yes. going back into a lifestyle where now we meet at Starbucks because it's like, oh, I don't want to have to clean up my house or I don't want to have to um, have anyone judge me because I have laundry on the floor or whatever. That you true. Yeah, you're building your home knowing that I'm going to put my entire town into it for church. Well, and, and, exactly. and you're building your home and we are building our homes for larger closets so we can have more things. They're yeah, building their homes larger people. so they can have more people. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and a you very, just, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. I know I was thinking the one day I used to have people over a lot and, you know, friends would stop by or, you know, I'd have them come over for lunch after church or something and I stopped doing that because I got so busy, it was hard to keep the house cleaner. And then I started rescuing these little dogs, the chihuahuas that I own. And they're not friendly to strangers. And all of a sudden, I realized one day I'm constantly meeting people in restaurants and coffee shops. And it, it doesn't feel as intimate and close and friendly. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. We have replaced that third place of Starbucks with having people over and, 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 and you know, a lot of times, sadly, we'll go, you know, I'll go meet them someplace else because then I can, I can control the time. But when I have them in my house, it's kind of hard to kick somebody out. And you hear that conversation <laughs> a lot. And, I mean, that's sad, but you hear that conversation a lot because I, true. That well, <laughs> I wasn't going to admit that. But you know, but you know, seriously, it it we were talking about you know earlier in the show about valuing those relationships and not being on a time clock, and that's what you're saying. You're with the Amish, you're stepping back in time where there is time mm. and there is time for relationships, and there is something sweet about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make the time with them, and when somebody comes to the door, you're not irritated that oh my goodness they're interrupting something I want to do like watch a TV show or or my house isn't straightened up enough, or I've got something else I want to do. They're, they're eager to see somebody come to the door. They've, they've baked cookies, and they're sitting there for whenever a visitor comes. Mm-hmm. So it's a totally different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's funny. I think I've actually shared this before, but um, I I am not the, the gourmet cook. Lisa this, is, is Pat, this is Patty. <laughs> Lisa is. I am not. Um, actually, I will say every year for my birthday, Lisa makes, um, me key lime pie because it's my all-time favorite pie. By scratch. Pie. By scratch. And, and that's so the only thing I make all year. It's it's over and beyond wonderful. But I, I will say for for me, when going to Costco and buying a, a frozen lasagna dinner is like that is amazing if I can do that and and have it all come out of the oven at the same time with the sourdough <laughs> bread, you know, with my scratch is putting the butter and the garlic on. That's yeah. fresh and scratch. And um, then at one point, one of our friends who's, who is like definitely this gourmet cook and she can do these elaborate parties. And um, she said, how offensive that someone would have someone over for dinner. And, and, and I tease her about this because <laughs> it's like me, have someone over for dinner and just put in a frozen lasagna, lasagna or casserole. <laughs> and uh, we didn't like, say a word when, when she said that. We're like, <laughs> I don't know. Who would do that? Who would do such a thing? But why why should we feel bad about doing that? Why does it have to be that we have to be these perfect gourmet chefs to have somebody come to our house? Some of my favorite times have been when somebody stopped by and I've said, you know, this is what we're having for dinner and you're welcome to stay. And it's been something very prosaic, like a tuna casserole or something. And they've been delighted at, at the hospitality because it's so unusual these days. I, I had a friend who was working two jobs, and my my house at the time was right in between those two jobs, so she would stop by to say hello to me, and I would very often ask her, would you like to stay for dinner so you don't have to get something takeout on your way to the next job? And she would not only do that, but she started turning my sofa into a little nap zone for that half hour or so in between the jobs. And it was lovely. I, yes. That was one of the best friendships and one of the best times in my life because we were helping each other out and enjoying it, you know. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, okay, you are just truly delightful to, to talk to. I, I want to know a little bit more because I, I, I'm a little um, – what would be the – I'm not obsessed with the Amish culture, but I'm very, very intrigued. intrigued. Yes. Um, a Road Unknown is the first release in your Amish Road series. What can readers expect next? Um, the next book is called Crossroads, 
and it's because the character is very definitely, again, in that position of being in the crossroads of trying to decide what to do with her life. All the characters in all three of the books are examining um, this whole thing about how they feel about God. Uh, you know, that's one area. And then how they feel about the way that they run their life because they start seeing that it's so different from the English way of life, which um, everybody perceives as being easier. Yes, it is easier than going out and hitching up a, a horse to just get in your car and drive somewhere. It is easier to just go nuke some food in the microwave than it is to do something, you know, like skin um, an animal or, or go out and kill a chicken for dinner or something. So they're all examining in the series, they're all examining these differences um, and trying to decide, you know, if you're in a very religious community and you have something happen and you don't feel like God is listening to you, that's a real important thing about do I want to join a church where I'm going to be around people who are even more like this and, and I don't feel like I belong because I'm mad at God about something or I don't think he's He's planned my life very well or whatever. So, you know, they've got those inner struggles, all three of the characters and all three of the books. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know what? I, I'm just thinking when you were doing your research, because it's like you're, you're really diving into the culture and understanding, like to even develop the characters. Did you, how much time did you spend? You said you, you've made some friends with some Amish women and did you did you stay with them overnight did you did you kind of stay in their community how did no, you I didn't, I didn't stay I didn't stay overnight with them because you know I have this thing that I really do not want anybody to think that I'm in sitting their space and and sort of being that newspaper reporter again and and observing like that um just stayed near and I have a friend who will read my books for me and let me know you know not only am I accurate, but, you know, am I really getting the feel of things? Mm -hmm. there's, there's one thing that I have to do constantly when I'm writing. As I write, I have to remember that this is such a different culture that you and I might have something that happens and we'll say, doesn't that just remind you of that movie such and such or that piece of music that we like to listen to or something that we saw in the news? And those things don't exist in the Amish community. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to put that down in your story, that's going to be an immediate thing that breaks out of that story consciousness, that world that you've created. So you have to be very careful about it. Um, an example of this is um, I know somebody who was writing a story about an English guy who comes to the community, buys a horse that's sort of out of control. And as he's being led away by this horse in the buggy, um, as he goes past, somebody thinks, wow, that thing's going at warp speed. Well, warp speed came out of Star Trek. Mm. That's not something that the Amish person observing is going mm. to think, unless they have done a lot of movie watching during their rum spring. You see what I mean? Right. So it's a constant thing as you're reading, uh, as you're writing the story, and then as you go back and you edit it to make sure that you're not breaking out of that, that world that you've created. So that's, that's a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the whole rum spring, I would think if you were going through that and you did, that, that brings up a good point when you see all these movies and you have this exposure. Um, yeah. That, you, that you, you wonder if you, if that's just um, mind boggling to you. 
to go, okay, wow, this is, or if it's just so like fire skewed. hose of, of another culture yeah. hitting you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like going to another planet or something. You have, they have had some experience from, I mean, as they're going into town to do things, they're going to see things like cars and, and, you know, sure things and so forth. But it is a very different lifestyle when they start experiencing the English way of life. And we're different from them in a, in a lot of respects where maybe we're not as honest about some things. And, you know, people are people, but there's a lot of innocence on the part of the Amish, and they get taken advantage of a lot of because of that. Mm. So, you know, when they start mingling with the English, then it becomes they're they're set up in a position where they can be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Mm. We, I, um, my friends that I was sharing, they were telling a story about one gentleman that fell in love with an English girl and he was shunned out of the community and his mother would put a plate, a dinner out on the back door just even though he was shunned to just keep saying, I, I love you, even though I can't communicate with you, you know, here's yeah, dinner. it's hard for a mom. I can't you know, even so imagine. For a mom. That story broke my heart that, yeah. that you have to sever that relationship completely, um, which you... Which kind of doesn't go, to me, again, it's one of those... I know relationships. Like, you value relationships so much, it's like so conditional that doesn't fit in how we would see things. Mm-hmm. Have you, you're wondering how can somebody shun someone that seems so uh, wrong and so non-spiritual and so forth? The Amish, and I'm not, you know, anything that I say is is a bit of a generalization. It's not going to apply to every Amish person or every situation. But the Amish see shunning is a way to bring back this person. So even though it doesn't look like it's being done with love, they will avoid the person, hoping that it's kind of like. You know, a little kid, when they've been bad, um, sometimes how you send them to time out, mm-hmm. you're definitely sending a very clear lesson. I don't want you near me until you behave yourself. I love you enough to put you there and tell you you can't come back until you behave properly. Mm-hmm. And that's what shunning involves. Mm-hmm. So it seems very harsh to us that it's definitely done with trying to bring this person back because they think otherwise you know, the person's going to go um, into a very bad place after they die. So Mm. it's it's not quite the way that we see it. We've turned it into this big dramatic oversimplification and overstatement, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when, when the shootings that took place in the Amish schoolhouse, did you do any research on that? I, I know... I watched the, I, well, I read the book and then I watched the movie um, on the forgiveness aspect of how um, they came to the, the funeral of the guy. Yeah, that happened shortly before I started writing the Amish stories. And, um, I read a particularly good book, um, um, Amish Grace, I think it's called. I'm- yes. <laughs> you know how you, you have a title in your head forever and then all yeah. of a sudden you're talking on the radio and you forget it for a second. Yeah. They they said that they made a movie based on it for Lifetime um, Movie Network, but that <laughs> that's not based on, on the book. But several professors who are Amish experts and so forth were on the scene that day trying to help uh, bridge the gap of this terrible thing happening and, and trying to get the news 
for the Amish people standing there and then also to communicate to the outside world um, a, a better sense of how this was affecting the Amish people. And they wrote a book, and it was a wonderful um, thing to actually read that. I, I understood the Amish about forgiveness much better after that. They decided it's not up to them to judge or to punish this other person. That's God's duty, mm-hmm. and that they have to forgive and move on. And it's just an amazing story. I only touched on it briefly in my first book just because I don't like to... My books are realistic, but I, I, I think we have to be careful not to be dragging in something like that event to the point where um, it just affects the story so much that people have lost that intimate world I've tried to create with my writing, you know? Well, Barbara, we have got to uh, wind down. We have less than two minutes. We have so enjoyed our time with you and just learning a little bit about the culture and and, um, just expanding our horizons a little bit. Let our listeners know how they can get a copy of your book, A Road Unknown, how they can find you, and any any thoughts you would like to leave as we as we um, as we close our show out. Well, I um, the the book is is available at every you know place that you can find books, you know regular bookstores, online bookstores, and so forth. And you can you can find me on Facebook. I'm Barbara Cameron on Facebook, and I also have a Barbara Cameron Reader page where I have contests every few weeks for readers to win autographed copies of books and other little things that I pick up in my travels that are Amish. Um, so it's very easy to find me, and you know my readers email me every so often, either to the Facebook page or to my personal email. I have a website, barbaracameron.com. I need to put my last book up on it. I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to because I'm, I'm working on the third book in the Amish Road series right now and trying to get it finished. But um, it's been lovely talking to you. I think it's, it's fantastic that people are becoming more interested in the Amish because I think they have a lot to teach us. Absolutely. There's so much that, that we can learn. And um, we just want to thank you again, Barbara. Um, once again... Uh, we just, I always appreciate when people will take the time to do the research and then be able to regurgitate and convey that information in such a fabulous way and the way that, that you do that, sharing just um, the journeys and new experiences and the uncertainties of, of their faith. And um, we can, once again, learn so much um, from this. So we want to encourage oh, if you're listening today to just to, to be you know, brave enough to step into a road unknown, what lies ahead, and to also go and get this book and learn more about this culture and, and value the relationships that are in front of you and slow down and take time to enjoy those around you, family and friends. Again, thank you, Barbara Cameron, for joining our show. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 